You already know that subscriptions can add predictable recurring revenue to your store. But did you know that Bold Subscriptions has added a ton of new features to make it even more profitable? Their convertible subscription feature first lets customers subscribe to one product and then automatically switch it to a different one the second month. Why? This way you can set up trial sizes, free samples, like uh, all those shaving websites. They've also added a cancellation flow to keep people on the subscription that I think is really cool. It's like abandoned cart recovery, but for subscriptions. So if you've ever tried to cancel your Audible account or anything like it, you'll see what I mean. If you say you don't like it, the books, they'll offer you one for free. If you say it's too expensive, they'll try to give you a deal on the next month. Basically, Bold built this into the subscriptions app, and it stops up to 30% of customers from canceling their subscriptions. And their most recent feature is the subscription buy button that lets you sell your subscriptions directly with a link that's perfect for email, blog posts, Facebook, whatever. Now, one of the things I personally love about it is that customers can manage everything about their subscriptions by themselves. They can log in, pause, skip, edit, update, payment info, their address, swap products, add products, whatever. They can just manage everything themselves. That's a huge time savings for merchants because it means fewer customer support requests. Now, if you want to add predictable recurring revenue to your business, Bold's offering their subscription app to listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast free for 60 days. Go to kurtelster.com slash bold to install it. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Please make sure I'm being recorded at a reasonable volume. Because as I recall last time, I wasn't on the first 30 seconds of the recording. I have the slider up. I can see. <laughs> yes. I can see the bars moving. Have you been to the store lately? Uh, just food store. And To get food from a food hole. Okay. And while perusing uh, food to slap your trough with there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice, did the shelves seem bare or a little emptier than usual? No, not th- not at the food store. No? No. You know, I, had, I heard people saying that. I noticed, like, the snack aisle at my, my local Jewel Osco seemed a little sparse, but nothing that scared me. All right, so Blue Diamond. They're going, Blue Diamond Nuts, they're going crazy. They just get almonds of every single flavor now. 
Oh, yeah. They're like going hard into flavored almonds. They got these salt and vinegar almonds. Okay. And I am super into them. I love salt and vinegar as a flavor profile. It's They're the best. I pound them. Uh, my wife decided that was too much sodium for me. So now I have to cut my salt and vinegar almonds half with regular almonds. <laughs> but the salt and vinegar is so powerful, it you know, it evens out. I was going to say, I laugh, but that's really not a crazy idea. It's, it's, it's a little too plain for me. You might have to go like two-thirds salt and vinegar, one-third normal almonds. But you already have the tolerance to the salt and vinegar almonds. If I was starting clean... Then maybe I want I do 50-50. I'm like a real punching you in the face with flavor kind of guy. How did you suck me into this? <laughs> I know how. I like snacks and I definitely like salt and vinegar. <laughs> so have you had trouble buying anything? No, because I don't buy anything. Oh, yeah. I only buy food and digital buy goods. I buy I don't buy anything physical. And that is the nice part about digital goods. No inventory, which means they're like 99% profit. I don't know. I heard there's like a bunch of containers full of like bits off the coast of Long Beach and okay. they can't get the That's bits That's not out. actually how Bitcoin works. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop listening to the internet. Yeah, so uh, I keep, I, I have seen with my own eyes people freaking out. I have seen photos of empty store shelves. The... There's some uh, purchasing restrictions are back, like toilet paper, et cetera. And uh, certainly we have heard that uh, moving container ships into the U.S. is suddenly difficult and very expensive, like 10x more expensive than 12 to 24 months ago. Uh, yeah, I know a guy that uh, works for Fisher Nuts, and Fisher Nuts, they do like all the nuts. Obviously not my beloved Blue Diamond, salt and vinegar, almonds, but they white label a ton of nuts. Okay. And he, they get a lot of their nuts from South America, and he's having problems getting nuts into America. And his container costs have gone up 6x in the last year. So no nuts. No nuts. <laughs> and you know, the national news has been covering this. And so I went to the Lego store over the weekend at our, our local, um, what do you call those stores? Those malls. The discount mall. Outlet. Thank you. So I went to the Lego store at our local outlet mall, and normally there's nobody there. There's, there's like, like three people and me browsing. There's outlet Legos? Yeah, which is bizarre because it's it's exactly the same cost, except they have a sale section. Yeah, that's my thing. Is that like It's not Legos really an outlet store. Yeah, I want, I want outlet Legos. Yeah. It's, a, uh, it's a Lego store that just happens to be in the outlet mall. Anyway, they had a line to get in. There were, it was at capacity, which I had not seen. And there were several stores like this, uh, whereas a month ago, this was definitely not the case. So national news, I think, running those stories about supply shortages, I think people are starting to do Christmas shopping early. Yeah, I feel like two, three weeks ago, the all the, all the container ships are trapped off of L.A. and there's all these shipping problems. I feel like that was a lot very – that was a lot in the B2B type news, like if you were in – some sort of industry directly affected by it, you were hearing about it, but not normal people were hearing about it. But in the last week, I feel like it's definitely become a sort of nationwide media type story where it's on CNN, it's on CBS, it's in the, all those kind of places. No, absolutely. Ooh-wee. So today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, that's our topic. We are discussing the global supply chain disruption which is like shipping getting, but uh, bigger 
and potentially scarier. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily want to say worse, different. It's definitely not good. Anyway, I'm your host, Kurt Elster, a.k.a. Tech Nasty. I'm joined by my business partner and lead developer of many years, Paul Rita. And uh, it turns out that that mega ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal, nothing compared to this. We're freaking out about that uh, when it happened. You just got to go a long way. Yeah. You could still go. It's just going to take a couple extra weeks. It's just now you, you just can't get the stuff in the doors. Um, and there's some other issues going on, too, with the supply chain. <sighs> like Amazon wants Amazon is lobbying to federally legalize weed. Did you hear this? I saw something about that. Yeah. You know why? Probably because so people can pass drug tests. Yeah. I don't get it. It's so people with CDLs can smoke weed and still pass a drug test. That's what they're going for because they can't get enough drivers. But where, who, do, who's doing this drug testing? We've already reached the depths of my knowledge. Because the answer to this is Amazon should just not test drug test people. Well, I think with the CDL, it's the state. That's my suspicion. You, you think for like a CDL, you have to pass a drug test? For a CDL, you, you're definitely getting drug tested. Okay. I've told I'll Google it. <laughs> Sorry I asked a question to glean more information. The DOT mandates drug tests that use urine samples. Employers of CDL drivers test for marijuana, cocaine, amphetamines, opiates, and PCP. And you have to do it like once. What, how often are you got to do it? Excellent question. Quarterly and occasionally random. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah. The, I mean, the, that's, and the military is... I read is also trying to do that because they need more people in the military. And then, then on top of that, how many boats do we have sitting outside of Los Angeles just doing nothing? I don't know how many. You track this every day. <laughs> I do. All right. So it's about currently, so this is reported two hours ago by CBS Los Angeles, half a million shipping containers total across all these boats. So that's not the total number of boats, but it's our, our total number of shipping containers on all these boats. Just sitting there waiting to get unloaded at the port. Yes. And there's so many. Um, there's so many that they're so far out into the water that they can't even actually anchor down. There's just a drift out there. Yeah. Last I checked, it was over 70. Which could t- previously in the summer, they hit 44 in the late summer, and freaked out. Oh, my gosh, that's the most that's ever been out there. Now we're, like, going to close in on potentially doubling that number. Just keep just keep setting new records for a, just a backup of ships bringing containers of stuff into the U.S. that then they struggle to distribute because we can't get enough drivers and we don't have enough hands to unload the stuff. Yeah, and, and then on the flip side of it, there's a bunch of reports that came out in the last 72 hours I saw that China... Uh, because they're hosting the Winter Olympics in February, is like, oh, we can't have horrendous, terrible air quality during the Olympics because all the camera shots are going to look bad and everyone's going to get lung diseases while trying to exert themselves. So we need to ramp down coal production, which is a large percentage of China's power. And because we're essentially rationing energy, uh, now various factories around the country can only work four days a week. Oh, jeez. So that... I feel like it's kind of an opposite problem because everyone's freaking out about that. So on the one end, we're freaking out because there's too much stuff coming. And then on the other end, we're also freaking out because they're not making as much stuff. 
So yeah, that which feels is, like that evens out. <laughs> yeah, maybe the the limitation on production should should help clear this glut. Yeah, like what should they do? Just keep pumping out stuff so the that line gets ship? longer. <laughs> the other thing I don't get is we have everything piled up at one port. Are there other ports they can go to? I read that it doesn't work that way, but I did not understand the explanation. I'm guessing it doesn't work that way, given, like, the size of the boats and, like, the machinery needed and, like, the training stuff of the longshoremen that do it. You know, Frank Sabatka's out there. (laughs) And so why are the ships backed up? Why are they just sitting waiting outside of L.A.? See, that I don't know because I feel like, again, as season two of The Wire taught me, uh, these longshoremen are kind of starved for work and they need more hours. And I also learned that from watching On the Waterfront. Uh, so isn't the answer then just all these guys get to work now and we unload all the boats? Or maybe there's just like a certain, I mean, there's just a certain point where you just reach diminishing returns. Like we can only unload four boats at a time, no matter. And then it, throwing more guys at it won't make it go any faster. So, all right. Ignoring film noir movies <laughs> as our source of truth here. <laughs> I like that. Uh, The Wall Street Journal has an article about it uh, from the last week. And essentially, everybody's pointing fingers, which means it's like, really, it's no one. Ten things each got 10% worse, and now it's awful. Yeah. (laughs) And so in that happening, then it kind of compounded. So here's the quote from The Wall Street Journal. So here's an exciting reading. Participants in each link in the U.S., chain shipping lines, port workers, truckers, warehouse operators, railways, and retailers blame each other for the imbalances and disagree on whether 24-7 operations will help them catch up. All of them are struggling with a shortage of workers. Okay, so this was the solution, one of the solutions um, that the port authority, I believe, said this is what we're going to do. And they said we're going to run, previously they did not work nights and weekends. They said, guess what, we're running 24-7 now. But you can't, they've yet to actually do it. So there's an article in uh, Wall Street Journal from just four days ago. It says, uh, California ports 24-hour operation going unused. This pilot program hasn't attracted any truckers in the more than two weeks since they started it. Well, and so I can explain part of that is uh, my brother works for a company that has to do a lot of deliveries all around the city of Chicago, and they are having a terrible time getting truck drivers because... Here are your two choices. You could be a long-haul trucker that drives a container across the interstate on very regular hours working for Amazon or UPS or whoever. And when you unload it, you you back up to a loading dock and someone unloads your truck while you sit there and do nothing. Whereas his company, you have to take that truck, drive it around the city of Chicago and make deliveries where you get out of the truck and do the delivery into the place. In which And so everyone's just like, well, screw that. I'm going to do the easier job. And so I'm sure this is part of it is that there is such starving for, you know, interstate trucking that guys that got to do the harder jobs, like I got to drive down to the docks and then maybe take it to a different loading area in City of Industry, California or something like that. It's like, well, screw that job. I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to do the one that, that is easier for me to do. So... That Wall Street Journal article has another great uh, pull quote in here about truckers and the shipping and port executives just blaming each other. Yeah. 
So truck driver, the quote is, truck drivers often don't show up at scheduled appointments to pick up boxes at the inundated container yards to make space for the next load to come in. That's Okay, so that's our shipping and port executives blaming the truckers. Then the truckers say terminal congestion, delays at the appointment, cause them to miss the next, and that the shipping lines aren't doing enough to clear out the towers of empty containers taking up space at the docks. So they don't want to go because it costs them money, just completely screws up their schedule, yeah, they it blow, wrecks their day. They blow the whole day waiting for one container. And that never can- appears. Yeah. And so no one wants to deal with it. And so the see, it sounds like the truckers are avoiding the thing. We don't have enough people. It's backing up. And then even like um, there's also uh, some space in the yard is taken up by uh, some businesses that were essentially u- leaving stuff in these container yards as storage. So you've got some inventory just sitting that's not going to go anywhere, but it's eating up space at a bad time for it. And then on top, like to try and deal with this as a supply and demand problem, the cost of these containers went up dramatically. Yeah. Like 10x. 6x for nuts. Yeah. I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so people said, well, I guess we can move the stuff via air. Same thing happened. Once everybody started shifting over to air, then the price there went up dramatically and you can't move as much. When you do air shipping. How does this impact our Yeah, why listeners? do we care? Well, like, it sounds bad. I think we care because if they're trying to get stuff in from the Far East, they when are they going to get it? Are they going to have inventory for the holidays? You know, or maybe if, maybe if it's not their finished product, maybe it's pieces of their buying activity. Um, I remember during the early days of the pandemic, what's the name of the yeast? Is it Fleischmann's yeast? That is the... Well, that's the brand I buy. All right, so they... Had enough yeast, but the packaging that they sold the yeast in, that came from India, and India was shut down, and they couldn't get it out during the early times of the pandemic. So they had to figure out a new packaging system in order to get the yeast out the door. Jeez. So, yeah, it's just everyone's trying to figure out what to do. And normally, at this point, I had asked in our Facebook group, I said, how's this impacting you? How are you impacted by supply chain disruptions? And I would then read these really uh, interesting and insightful examples from people. And I can't because Facebook has been down for the entire morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're recording this at the last minute. It's Monday and Facebook doesn't exist. Uh, Judging by a comment I read on Reddit, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, A guy who said he's working on trying to fix the issue because he's a sysadmin at uh, Facebook Someone screwed up their DNS records. So what that means is the internet pretty much doesn't know that Facebook exists and can't find any of the domains. And because of that, they can't remotely log in to administer the servers. So the only way to fix it is to physically go to every single Facebook server farm and manually reconfigure the server while standing next to it. So, Which feels like it's going to take a while. <laughs> t- Let's take that one with a grain of salt. We're going to go with allegedly according to a Reddit comment. Yeah, allegedly according to a Reddit comment. But I I do know for sure this thing is very much definitely down and unavailable for uh, an unusually long time, the entire thing. It's painful. It's Instagram and WhatsApp, too. Yeah, the whole thing. So maybe people will become like 5% more sane over the next 24 hours. Uh, But as to highlight the impact... Yeah, you're right. Maybe uh, maybe Facebook going down for a while is not the worst thing. Yeah. Um, but to highlight the impact, I do have a, a tweet thread from Connor Lewis, who he's not been on the show, but he did 
a Kickstarter over the summer called Get the Fort. The Fort. The Fort is a magnetic pillow fort for kids. This guy raised millions on Kickstarter. He now has a Twitter thread from September entitled, Why Bootstrapping a Company and Crowdfunding Millions in 2021 Created Impossible Situations and How I Know I'll Survive. So, okay, so he sells $3 million on Kickstarter for this problem, for this product. And uh, that ends up being well over 10,000 units. And then he finds out that magnetic prices are spiking and foam costs are going up. And he thinks, well, I can handle that. It's a 30% increase in cost of goods sold. We're okay. But he sold 75% of the product under COGS, it turns out, and then has to get it here. And he manages to make full production, wires millions of dollars. It's going to work. But he's $40 to $60 in the hole per unit, and warnings about freight and shipping costs start coming in. Now, because of the shipping costs, he starts having to pay 70 bucks a unit just to get them here. So essentially what occurred here was he said, I, I could sell this on Kickstarter. I know what my cost of goods sold is going to be. I know what it's going to cost to get it here. Like he knew everything. The guy is not stupid. Did it, and then immediately the supply chain constraints start to kick in, where first his material costs go up 30%. And then he's got, once he gets the stuff manufactured, he's like, all right, I'll eat that cost. And then he gets it manufactured. Well, now the cost to ship it here becomes dramatically more. And so now suddenly this very successful Kickstarter campaign, he's losing money in every order he ships. Yeah, because he sold it at one price. And then as it turns out, he thought that price would be fine. But once the rubber actually hit the road, he found out it the price needed to be way, way higher. But he agreed to sell it to all these people at the lower price. Yeah, and so what he did was come clean with the backers. He, he uh, posted an update, told them what happened, and gave them the option. He said, you know, if you want, uh, if you believe in it, you could pay 99 bucks extra, and that's just to, you, you will receive your product knowing that it was not sold to you at a loss. <laughs> And then what was the other? The other one is, if you if you want to stick at the lower price, guess what? You're going to wait. Yes. So they could choose to delay their shipment. But yeah, his hope then really was to try and make up for it and, and dig out of the hole by selling pre-orders at the, the appropriate price for the next run via his website. I mean, no offense to this guy, but if I bought something, it didn't show up for a year and then he came to me later and was like, hey, guess what? If you actually want it, you got to give me another 100 bucks." Fuck you. <laughs> no way. Uh, some people, I'm sure, thought that. Others, others paid the money. I think the important part was that he was, he was honest. Now that, I mean, He's true. like, hey, look, here's what's happening. I feel bad for the guy. And that's why I only sell digital goods. <laughs> well, yeah, it, uh, digital goods, obviously, there's no inventory to it, so it doesn't have this issue. Man, I wish I had access to these Facebook comments. They were so good. Should have copied and pasted it yesterday, not knowing that yeah, Facebook was going to go know. down we for the entire to, morning. Our guest we were supposed to have last week postponed on us, so we're just like whipping this out at the last minute, and uh, Facebook's down. So that's good. <laughs> How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? Well, you could make a deal with the devil. Can you believe it? All I had to do was give him my soul. <laughs> or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell. 
created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store entrusted by over 8,200 Shopify merchants. One-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. Plus, it's got mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to Zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T, and to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Huh. The point of your story about the Lego store, I think I might have derailed it, is that the Lego store was absolutely packed. When it normally is not. And there wasn't any sort of like special sale going on or there wasn't like an event or anything special. It was just straight up packed. Yeah. For no reason. Because people were doing holiday shopping. Yeah. And so they're doing holiday shopping on October 3rd. Yes. In mass. Yeah. So... I think two weeks ago, or whenever I was last on, I mentioned the thought of, hey, don't discount anything on Black Friday because it's just sales that would have already happened anyway, and you're just doing the sale for less money now. And now I feel much stronger about that. Yes. I think with everything going on right now, don't discount anything because people, if you have inventory, if you have inventory and you could sell stuff... And you, you, you'll sell out all your inventory without discounting anything. And let me, and the reason is what we're discussing right now, though we went, you know, industry focused and in depth on it, this is national news. I mean, those quotes I gave you were from the Wall Street Journal. And I've seen this covered on our, our local Chicago news, I've seen it covered on national news. So people are aware of the supply chain shortages. They may not necessarily get, you know, the nitty-gritty details and know the number of containers waiting in the water. They just know that stuff is not going to be around for a while. Yes. And we have in our recent memory what happened in March of 2020, where it's like, oh, you wanted toilet paper? That's cute. Yeah. You know, and so we've got that fresh in our minds. Um, but I just, I Googled holiday shopping in Google News. Wired two days ago, tips to start your holiday shopping early. Supply chain problems haven't improved. If you want to get something special, here's how to plan ahead. Reuters, amid supply chain snarls, retailers pitch early holiday shopping. And um, Target and Amazon are launched their, they call them like early Black Friday deals, that kind of thing. They're already running their holiday sales. Started, they've already started if you're listening to this. Yeah. And it's, so I think whether or not we get through the supply chain issues before the end of the year, which I don't think we will. No. I don't think so. Um, I know some people are saying, oh, we're industry insiders predict total supply chain collapse. I think that's... That's ridiculous. I do. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. There are still levers to pull, things to do to fix this. It is fixable, but it's not getting fixed in time for Black Friday. It just isn't. We're already in October. And given the number of, of ships out there and the, the how difficult it is to hire people to do this necessary work... I don't think this gets resolved until next year. So it's a realistic, it's a very real problem to deal with right now. 
And so, I, but I think in general, I think a lot of people are going to shop early. And I think the people that wait, it's going to be, hey, you're going to buy what's still in stock because you waited. So I think for the first time, maybe we don't have to lean on discounting. Which, yeah, I mean, that was that was your point. Uh, 100% I'm on board with it. Oh, good. Yeah. And I think the point of it is you should lean into that, which is, hey, the usually all of the customer communication around Black Friday is deals, deals, sale, deals, check it out. Deals and steals. Deals and steals. Steals and deals. Uh, I think this year it's in stock ready to ship. Yes. Just, just keep screaming in stock ready to ship. Get badges for it. Yeah. Throw, on on yeah. the collection grid. Everything on the collection grid that is in stock ready to ship, say it's in stock ready to ship. You will receive this in four days or whatever you want to do. Figure out how long your stuff takes. And that is your value proposition. Not that you're going to save money, but that you're just going to get it. Yeah. And I think people will pay for that. And I, I think it's already started. Yeah. It's already started. Don't discount anything. Make it clear to everyone you have stuff and you are willing to sell it to them and they will get it in a reasonable time frame. It seems pretty good to me. All right. I want stuff in time. All right. So when I remember last year, yeah, the fear was shipping again, which I think it's going to happen again. It depends on how you define it. I don't think it's going to happen during the last mile. I don't think it's going to be like... Right, last year was last mile. Last year was the last it. mile was getting it from the warehouse to your house. The problem is going to be getting it from way earlier in the supply chain to the warehouse next to your house. Yes. So what do you do if you don't have stuff? Uh-oh. You're <laughs> supposed to have sales and have Black Friday and make all this money this quarter, and you don't have any stuff. You don't have the inventory. Yeah. Or you things go so well... You sell out of all your inventory at normal prices by Halloween. Then what? What yeah. do you do? Yeah, what do you, what do you do? Well, I really I think you've got All right, so no you're if you're listening to this you're an entrepreneur and therefore uh, pretty good at creative problem solving in these scenarios. And so I I think your options are you're going to have to get creative. So the one that I've seen a lot of people uh point to is well, obviously you could sell gift cards. And so I, I think, I don't think that's a crazy thing to do, but people want their stuff. So uh, presenting, you could, I saw a screenshot on Twitter today where someone had put in a product form, um, the add to cart button had changed to sold out. And then below it, it said, gift this as a gift card or gift a gift card. So you could ha- let people gift the value of the card. You could do, that's one method. Um, selling pre-orders is another, but that's problematic for gifting, if, especially if people misunderstand um, customers. And that's common with pre-orders. You know, we've got that, or our own pre-order app, and it's just a thing that happens where people don't, that they, they see what they want to see. Um, and then if I could, oh, if you could sell digital goods, you don't have this problem. And then I think, uh, you know, if you're lucky uh, and you could find it, if you can locally source stuff, I think we're going to see a lot of North American manufacturing really take off in the next 12 months, but it may be too late at this point. I don't know. I have two thoughts. One for gift cards. I would offer gift cards that don't become valid until after the new year and they get extra money on them. Oh, so buy a hundred dollar gift card, 
it's actually worth $110, but it doesn't work until January 1st. I don't know how to do that. I don't know if Shopify supports that. You you worry about that. <laughs> I'm just I'm just the you idea can't, man. I like that idea. Sh- I Shopify itself, I'm 99% sure will not do scheduled gift cards. But if you do a, a gift card app, it'll do scheduled gift cards. Okay. Uh and doing a discount on the value of the gift card, that sh- that should be doable. So it's yeah, it's like, "Hey, buy a gift card for 2022." Hundred dollar gift card for twenty twenty two, for eighty bucks. Or you go, hey, buy a hundred dollar gift card. It's actually worth one twenty. Yeah, you know, however you want to phrase it. I don't know. Um, and then my other thought. You do, all right. You do the pre order. You do the thing where it's like we don't have this. We're not going to have this for three months. But, your free gift with purchase, that we talk about all the time. You still have that. And so the stupid little pin or whatever the little tchotchke is, or you just invent little pins or little tchotchkes, that becomes the thing they could give as the gift. And with it comes like a little cool little note or note card that you designed that says like, hey, this pin means you're going to be getting this product in three months. And, like, thank you for supporting us during this difficult time because of all the supply chain shortages. And so at least – so you don't have to provide the product for a couple months, but at least they got something and they felt like they got something out of it. I really like this idea. Yeah, it's free gift with purchase plus the pre-order or free gift with purchase plus the gift card. Yeah. So, yeah, so they get a physical thing. They get something. And as attached to the physical thing, you have information of like, here's what happened, here's what you'll be getting in the future at this time. Okay. And yeah, then and you so just fire it off to them when you have it. We're it gonna, shows up at their house. We're going to take the, the Connor B. Lewis, the fort method of, we're just going to be honest about, here's what's going on. Yeah. Like, we were lucky to sell out of all our inventory. We were unlucky that we don't have anything else, and we can't get it right now. And we're so sorry, and here's what we're going to do instead. Yeah. Okay. It seems like a good plan yeah. if you're in that position. Otherwise, I'm going to try to just not discount and just lean on, I got this stuff, and I can ship it to you. I mean, that's a, suddenly, that becomes a really good selling proposition, doesn't it? Yeah. It do, yeah. If, you know, if no one else can get stuff and you could get people stuff, you're better than everyone else. Yep. Well, so I ordered, we're remodeling my basement. I've been talked about this before. And we ordered flooring in June because we were fearful of not having it in time. And then we started the remodel in September. Guess what still hadn't showed up? The flooring. And so this woman I was working with, um, who's a, a family friend and interior designer, she shows up. She says, here, I've got this sample. This, and I said, is it? So this isn't, she said, this is your alternative. So we can wait for the other stuff, which still has no ETA. And, uh, or we could try looking at alternatives. I said, without even looking at the floor, I said, is it in stock and available? Can I get this to my house in the next 72 hours? She said, yes. I said, this is my new favorite floor. I've never seen flooring more beautiful than this one. Right? Just get it because I could. And then on top of it, I had to pay extra for it just because it was like, oh, well, you know, between now and then, prices on everything went up, buddy. Yep. Like, that's great. <laughs> I do feel bad for the small business that will take – of at some point in the future, 
take hold of all this flooring that was meant for my basement that yeah. now they got to wait for some, they have to sit on and wait for someone else to buy. Well, yeah, And it was like a local independent place yeah, that I bought get, it from. You're getting a refund on that flooring because they never produced it. So they had that money, then they lost it, and now they have a bunch of flooring they got to get rid of. Yeah. So like the impact here and the effects, uh, painful. Like it, it hurts cash flow for sure. Mm-hmm. I wish we had the, the Facebook comments. Oh, well, I'm sorry we couldn't include your comments. But it was, I mean, essentially, there's a lot of stories similar to that of like, where did this stuff? I ah, still can't get it in. Just can't get it into the United States to our warehouse. So it really doesn't help us. I do have some housekeeping items we want to close on. Uh, upcoming episodes this month, we're going to be talking Black Friday promos and marketing with Ezra Firestone, Kurt Bullock. And Chase Diamond, who is a, he's not been on the show before, but he's like an email marketing wizard guru type. So he should be good. I don't know why you're having Ezra Firestone on when I just told you about Black Friday promos. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) Because I clearly am better than him. (laughs) You're like, look, don't discount anything. Just be like, we have it. Do you want it? And it should sell out. Yeah. At least the, the cashier at the Lego store was like, uh... By November, he's like, I don't think we're going to have anything. Holy crap. The Lego store? <laughs> you know that gif? They got to get that stuff from the Netherlands. Is it the Netherlands? Isn't it Denmark? I always screw up Denmark, the Netherlands, and Holland. Could sh- I think it's de- We could all be wrong. I don't know. Those three things, there could be three different things. One could be part of one of the other ones. Someone speaks Dutch. Not sure who that is. <laughs> Uh, I even watched the Lego documentary, and I don't know. That's why I'm, like, tentatively, like, Denmark, question mark? You know that gif of a red Muppet? Arms in the air as flames rise around him in the back? Yes. That's how I feel. I am that Muppet. (laughs) Because I'm simultaneously like, look, the supply chain's about to explode because we've got all our stuff sitting in the ocean and we can't get it to sell. People through a scarcity, through a tragedy of the common scenario, are going to just buy whatever is available on shelves this month and be done with Christmas shopping before Halloween. Also, let me have three industry experts tell you how to sell the most stuff using various traditional holiday promotions. I just feel like I may as well be screaming the end is nigh from our window. Well, and also we'll be listening to Kurt Bullock uh, Facebook ads guru. Um, maybe Facebook doesn't exist next week. Who even knows? They don't have a website right now. I'm sure Facebook <laughs> will be back next week. I'm sure they'll be back to, well, maybe. Huh. Uh, and I did notice Shopify added official support for shop, uh, SMS opt-ins at checkout last week. So I think that's cool. That like, well, previously, if you wanted someone to opt- It was like opt- an app, wasn't it? If you- uh, if you wanted someone to opt into SMS, you had to have Shopify Plus so you could put it in the checkout. Oh, and, and like so no, it, it was a widget and it, you had to have the app do it. And now it's just a checkbox. Everyone just gets it. Yeah. But I assume like, okay, be be sure that it's connected and working and passing this information between whatever integration. Uh, because with SMS, you don't want to mess around. Like you need that timestamp up. This is when they agreed. Yeah, that's that. the FTC will get you for that. They yeah. do not like spam texts. Yeah, I forgot the name of that law, but there's a, a can spam act equivalent for SMS. TCPA, I think. Oh. 
Uh, our email guide will be released this month, I swear, and members of our Facebook group will get the first crack at it. Uh, any other housekeeping updates? Anything you'd like to share with us, Mr. Rita? I watched Little Shop of Horrors last night, the uh -huh. musical version. It was so good. <laughs> with the one it. with Rick Moranis. Uh, so good. Like, I remember seeing it as a little kid and being like, oh, this is enjoyable. And then I watched it now, and I was like, this is incredible. I, I wish I had any kind of sound drop from Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> right now. Feed me. <laughs> <laughs> feed me, Seymour. I do. I, that's on my... Halloween is very important to it's us. Very important to you. October is our anniversary month. I got married on Halloween. You got married on Halloween. And so we celebrate this with a lot of Halloween decor, trick-or-treating, and um, we watch, we have a, a, a list of Halloween movies, favorite Halloween movies, and it always starts with one of the, the Addams Family movies. But Little Shop of Horrors got added last year to the list. So Should be on the list. Do you watch the, um, the classic uh, Universal Horror ones? No, but I should. You and I'm should. going to Universal for the first time in December. I wish I want to go to Universal for Halloween. They do the craziest stuff, and they've got the Universal movie monsters. I would, I would at least watch the three James Whale directed ones, which is Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Invisible Man. They uh -huh. are they soup they super hold up. The Invisible Man special effects are like it's 1932, so you're like what? Like they're. <laughs> They're very enjoyable and quick. They're all like not even 70 minutes, I don't think. Oh, okay. Yeah, then definitely I am failing if I have not watched these movies. Correct. All right. I agree with you. Um, I would love to hear people's thoughts on this episode. I want to hear how, how you're being impacted or what you're doing differently because of supply chain disruption. So please uh, join us in our Facebook group, the Unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders on Facebook, and talk to us. We would love to have you. Let's... Get out of here. Maybe we'll see you on Facebook. Maybe we won't. Oh, my God. When people ask in my Facebook group what theme they should use, I always see people recommend Flex. Why? Because it's the Swiss Army knife of Shopify themes. It comes with everything you need right out of the sandbox. Flex is truly one of the most flexible themes in the market. It's got customizable CSS within the theme editor to give you more creative control without breaking your theme's code. And it comes packed with 10 mega menu navs with six columns each. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. And to make it even sweeter, Out of the Sandbox has been in the e-com game for over a decade, providing some of the best customer experience in the industry. Head over to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to get started on your dream store today. The link's in the show notes. And don't forget to use the discount code KURT20. That's K-U-R-T-2-0 for 20% off your theme purchase. And with their 14-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. So please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.